Hi, what's up? This is the Work-Related Podcast, and this is episode three. We're talking about the workplace and how it's changing and how it needs to change and how we need to change and evolve and grow to step into our power now in 2023 and forever. But it is a big deal, the beginning of a new year. Certainly a time to look and see where we've been and where we've come from and where we're going. It's it's hard not to notice that new year energy, regardless of what else is going on. And it, and it would be a shame to miss out on the opportunity to jump on the new year and, and make something out of this new year in front of us. One thing we know is that it's going to fly by because they all do. And they actually move more quickly the older we get. Because 12 months represents a smaller and smaller percentage of the life that we've already lived. So the question is, what are you going to do with this time, these 12 months ahead of you, 11 and a half months now? <laughs> How are you going to use 2023 to get somewhere that you want to go? Well, that's a great question, but it begs the question, where do I want to go? A lot of people set New Year's resolutions I'm not a fan, not only because the data show that people don't stick to the New Year's resolutions, but I think more fundamentally because resolutions tend to be, I should go to the gym more, I should save more money, I need to lose some weight, I need to, need to, need to, I should, I should, I should. So what kind of energy is that, right? That's more pressure on you. You already have a ton of pressure. The last thing you want to do in terms of stepping into your power or growing your flame is add more pressure. What do the resolutions do for you? Even if you accomplished 60% of what you resolved to accomplish, how would that move you closer to something really important and fundamental in your life? It, it, it wouldn't unless you knew what that thing were and why it was important to you. So I have a different suggestion, scrap the resolutions and back away from the to-do list. We can grind and grind on that to-do list. Sometimes you have to, but unless you know what you're to-doing for, unless that vision is in front of you, drawing you forward and giving you fuel for the journey, not sure what the resolutions do for you. It tends to be incremental changes that cause you to say, okay, I did all this work and I, I lost 10 pounds and built a little muscle mass, right? I saved a little money. And what is it for? What is that muscle mass for? What is the money for? What am I trying to do here on this planet? What's my mission? So that's my suggestion. Step away from the to-do list and step away from the resolutions. Forget the resolutions. Take pressure off and give yourself permission to think about what you really want out of your life and your career. Get clear on that. Could take a little while. It's okay. This is not wasted time, right? It's the opposite. You have to give yourself permission because a lot of times we're told we don't get to design the life we want, much less to think we deserve it. That's what I'm telling you. You deserve it. But you got you to gotta see it first. You got to decide what's important to you and get really, really clear on that big goal. And then you can build a to-do list. No pressure. Nobody's looking over your shoulder judging you, except you. Some old version of you that felt like had to judge, maybe from a protective standpoint, or maybe because you were told, like a lot of us were told, 
that the appropriate way to go through life is judging and criticizing yourself. So that's what I'm saying. Forget the resolutions. Forget extra pressure. It's a new year. It's a light energy. It's not a heavy energy. Use this energy to say, what do I want? And what's the one thing that I really want to focus on in 2023? And where do I want that thing, that movement, that energy to take me? That's the question. All right. I'm doing an event about this. I'm doing a free webinar about this topic. It's called Make 2023 Your Best Year. So I'll put the link the sign-up link for that webinar uh, with the podcast. And I'd love to see you there because it's all about how to do this, how to make 2023 year year. Get really clear, crystallize what that vision is for how I want my life to be different one year from now and then how to get there with no resolutions, right? And no pressure. That's that. I'm going to read you something I posted on LinkedIn earlier. You know, the sort of like business networking site, LinkedIn, I'm sure. Here's what I said. Still thinking about the new year. The message all leaders need to get in 2023 is this. Reality has spoken. COVID taught us a lot. Employees are not children and they are not indentured servants. If you make them return to the office and they don't want to, and they know they can perform their jobs from home, they'll leave. Before they leave, they'll tune out. It's not intentional. It's just really hard to care about a job when the job doesn't care about you. You can keep asking privilege and fear-based interview questions like, what makes you the right person for this job? But people with other options will drop out of the interview process if you do. If they stick around and take the job, they'll tune out. You reap what you sow. If you don't pay people fairly, they will leave. And before they leave, they will tune out. Mother nature bats last, as they say. You can't force people to care about their jobs and you can't force them to stay. That's why the corporate world goes to such lengths to make candidates feel very small and to make them feel that someone who hires them has done them a great favor. It's to keep people from feeling, uh, it's to keep people feeling grateful instead of feeling their power. The war for talent is now over a decade old and it's only gonna get worse. CEOs can thunder and bluster and make proclamations, but who still believes them? If you lose one job, you can get another job. The people who know this have incredible power, and more and more people know it. Smart employers have ditched the mindset that they are in control and that employees must bend to their will. They know that being able to hire and retain people is their greatest competitive advantage. They don't spout the ridiculous line, we need you to work in the office for the sake of our culture. Employees make the culture, not employers. Culture is the one thing, the critical thing, employers don't control. CEOs can huff and puff about sharing ideas face to face, but their argument is thin since they've been making money hand over fist for years with people spread across the globe, collaborating sight unseen with their colleagues. 
the factory-style management mindset is dying out and not a moment too soon. Which employers will step into this new future and thrive? That's the question for my management and leadership listeners. How do you help your powers that be where you work step out of this old mindset because it's not going to take them anywhere it's like the tables you know the tide has turned the tables are turning it's just not going to work it's just no one believes it anymore pay no attention to the man behind the curtain right management through fear we we're grown-ups now we see past it we see through it and it only makes you look ridiculous and powerless if you manage with the implied or overt threat that something bad will happen to you if you don't obey me, because we are not children. And all we need to do is look at how much better consultants and independent business people are treated than employees and job applicants. It's fundamentally different the way they're treated. I, I posted a poll on LinkedIn also earlier today about puzzle type interview questions. How many manhole covers are there in Seattle? Or how many buses are running at any given time in Chicago? Because the managers sometimes want to see your brain working. But what's funny about that is that they don't notice that that question comes from a place of power that they really don't have any right to believe they occupy. They are actually the one who has a problem that needs to be solved or they would never have run a job ad and they would never take the time to interview people. A candidate may have a problem they need to solve like they're not working or they hate their job, but they may very well not. They may be shopping, kicking tires, right? They might just be talking to people to see if there's something interesting for them to do apart from what they're doing. That's really appropriate thing to do when we're talking about the new year is, is go interview for a job. If you're working, if you love your job, just interview for another job because it's a great way to grow your muscles and stay alert to what's happening outside your own organization's walls. So, so the manager is the person we most clearly know has a problem in that interview. So the idea that they would assume the superior position, socially superior, right? Philosophically superior to say, how would you solve this, this problem? Then why wouldn't the candidate just be completely welcome 10 seconds later to say, okay, how would you solve my puzzle problem? But that's not the paradigm. We are bought into the notion that employers call the shots and candidates have to sort of bend and flex and bow and scrape. Why? Why? This is the question we're asking. Why? And and also, it should get harder and harder every day, every month, every year for you to be willing to do that. And that's my hope for you, is that it gets harder. And one day you're not willing to do it. And you say, you know, I get the appeal of, of problem solving, but I, 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 I really want to talk about the role. Because no manager would ask a consultant to... to do little games to, to work out quizzes or be an American ninja warrior, you know, doing physical tests for, for, to, to, to be judged. That's so absurd and ridiculous. Talk to me about my experience. Don't try to plumb the depths of my psyche and don't try to evaluate my intelligence by some 19th century, you know, it's gross. I, I don't think people realize that the, the presumed unequal power dynamic and how harmful that is. And I don't want you to subject yourself to that, honestly. 
I want you to feel your power. Even when you don't feel it, right? That's when it's hardest to do and also most important to walk away from the wrong things and the wrong people. And I, and I truly believe and have experienced and have seen thousands of other people experience the, uh, the reality that when you do slam the door on the wrong things and the wrong people, that's when the right things and the right people show up. Okay. I got some questions to answer. Uh, hi Liz. I know I'm supposed to update my resume at this time of year, but how do I do it? Okay. That's a beautiful question. How to update your resume in the new year is pretty simple. Pull up your resume. There should be a summary at the top of it, below your contact information and above your work history. If you follow our resume protocol, human voice resume, and that's what you're going to look at first. You're going to look at your contact information, see if it's changed, but assuming you have the same city, state, same name, same email address, same LinkedIn profile and the same phone number, then all that is, is fine. Then you're going to look at your summary at the top of your resume and see if you want to change it. It's talking about your, uh, who, how you see yourself, who you're going to the party as you could say, you're going to the party as a pirate. You're going to the party as Boba Fett. Who are you going as? Because that's what your resume has to make clear. If you were going to be looking for a job, what kind of job would it be? And then a little bit of supporting. Why, why is this a good job for you? Either because of something that you're passionate about or because of something you've done. Um, so that's the first thing to look at is your summary. And if you want to learn more about human voice resume writing, there's tons of articles of mine all over the place. Um, and then the next thing you're going to look at is your work history because you're going to update the stories, which stories you choose to tell. In the last 12 months, I hope that you have collected, accumulated a couple of really great stories, dragon slaying stories that you'll add to your resume. Maybe if you're running out of space, they'll replace a less exciting story. And if you don't have stories in your resume now and you've got tasks and duties, then that's how you'll update your resume. Instead of saying the job required me to do X, Y, and Z, which is not the most high value information to include in your resume because literally anyone else in the job would have had the same responsibilities. That doesn't tell us what you left in your wake. Instead of, of listing tasks and duties, you're going to talk about what you made happen in the job, what you got done, what you accomplished, what you brought about, right? What you changed, what you improved. So that's really the big change that you're going to make when you update your resume for 2023. And that's a great project to step into, by the way. And I hope that really makes you feel good, feel stronger looking at what you've done in the last year. Now, if you look at your resume in the new year and you really don't see much, if anything, to change, that's a bit of a, of a wake-up call from Mother Nature right there because it says, does this job still deserve you? and your time and your talent, if it's not giving you back resume fodder that makes you more marketable and more valuable to employers than you were this time last year. Back in the day, it used to be staying at a company for 15 or 20 years was the real mark of, you know, I'm, I'm really great and stable. Now that will hurt you. That will hurt you. Unless your resume is dramatically improving year over year, 
You don't want to stay in the same place because that's viewed as stagnating. And it's hard to argue with that perception because it often does mean and require stagnating. People come out of jobs after 15 or 20 years and they're like blinking in the sunlight. Like, well, what is this world I'm entering into? That's not good for us. More exposure, the more grappling with, the more dealing with the real world all the time, the better off we are. And that's why consultants, right? That's why independent consultants are so on top of things because they're in and out uh, figuratively or literally of different organizations all the time. They're really up against the marketplace. They're up against reality all the time. All right, so that's how to update your resume. Hey, I've got a list to share with you, and I, I want to know what you think about this. So if you have a question for me or thoughts or reactions to this list or anything else that I talk about, uh, write to me and let me know. Our email is support at humanworkplace.com. All right, here's the list. It's five policies, management policies to get rid of in 2023. Could have been more than five, you know, but these are five really, really past their expiration date policies that need to go in 2023. First one is attendance policies for salaried employees. What is the point of being a salaried employee if someone is going to write you up or you're going to get in trouble somehow because you're five or 10 or 15 minutes late? It shouldn't actually matter when you work. If you're on salary, the idea is that you deliver a result, not that you work a certain number of hours. So get rid of the salaried employee attendance policy. It makes no sense. That's just power and control. Second policy to get rid of is needing a manager's approval to transfer to another department. Now there might be a requirement like you have to be in the job that you were hired into for a year so that people don't take a job and then immediately transfer a week later. That's kind of reasonable, but then after you've met that requirement, then you should be able to transfer. You shouldn't need your manager's approval because the manager has a ton of vested interest in not letting you transfer. Oh no, I need you too much in this department. But hey, here's the thing. From a business standpoint, from a management leadership standpoint, it should never be easier to leave the company altogether than to transfer and stay in the company and keep your talent and your knowledge inside the organization. So managers should not have the power to block a transfer, right? Outside of extraordinary circumstances. So the policy to get rid of in 2023 here is the one that allows managers to decide when you can transfer and when you can't. That's absurd. That is like driving your best employees away with a stick. As an HR leader myself, I abolished or my team and I abolished that policy. We agreed all the managers. We said, this is not helping us. We got rid of it in 1990, not, not a week ago, 1990. It's not a hard thing to do. You say, uh, interviews are going to be scheduled through HR. The employee applies, HR schedules the interview. If the manager, the hiring manager wants to hire that employee, then they tell the employee, Hey, look, we're going to hire you. And the three of them, because they're all adults, the new hiring manager, the old manager and the employee, they work out a transition plan and it's reasonable, right? might be two weeks. It might be two weeks with an extra week where the employee is spending a little time in both departments. It might be whatever, but it's not going to be so burdensome that the employee's like, I might as well just go leave the company because that would defeat the purpose. It's going to be reasonable, but they're, they're not going to require the 
person's manager to approve their transfer. That is some old world BS. That is some 19th century scary indentured servant stuff. It doesn't work that way. It's very easy to walk out the door and go across the street and apply for a job, and it should be just as easy to apply for a job in your own company. All right, number three policy. This still exists in some places, okay, and it's it's embarrassing, and that is requiring a doctor's note when someone's sick and doesn't come to work. Come on, look at the healthcare system. That's absurd. Doctors tell you, do not come into this office with the flu or some infectious disease. Stay home and take your medicine, Theraflu, whatever it is, drink hot tea, and get plenty of rest. Let's, this is, again, we're not children. And related to that, the fourth policy that needs to go in 2023 is the one that requires an employee to bring a funeral notice to get paid for bereavement leave when a family member dies. Can you imagine the slap in the face at that vulnerable point in their life? A loved one has died. Now you have to bring in a funeral notice to get two or three days of pay. I, it's we're getting rid of that. That's got to go. And the fourth, I'm sorry, the fifth and final policy to abolish in 2023 is the one that requires any knowledge worker to be in the office five days a week. We know it's not necessary. We know that is not necessary. There's just no reason for it. It exposes them to illnesses of various kinds, including covid and it's not necessary, and that makes it bad for employees and bad for business. Because as I said before in the little piece that I wrote for LinkedIn, you can't force people to care, and you can't force them to stay. So why would you make it harder for them to care and harder for them to stay? So we're going to get rid of that policy. That's my recommendation. Five policies to nuke and ditch and abolish and evolve past in 2023. All right, we've been training at our company, Human Workplace, an awesome group of people, how to become career coaches and coach people through our processes for getting a job, career reinvention, career exploration, and so on, and other career projects. I'm so excited to be launching right now the directory of these coaches, directory where you can read about the coaches and contact them talk to them about career coaching with them. They know how to work through our processes and our courses and how to help you create your human voice resume and pain letters and the things that I talk about and teach on a wide scale. They will teach you one-on-one. -on -one. So it's very cool and I'm really excited about that. And uh, you'll find that directory at our website, humanworkplace.com front slash directory humanworkplace.com front slash directory. You know, that's the directory of our human workplace network career coaches, all of whom have trained with me and they're amazing. And I'm so excited to have them out in the world, bringing people the, the funk and the noise and helping them really grow their flame and get the jobs and have the careers they deserve. So that's a really cool thing. If you're interested in becoming a career coach with us, then reach out to me. You can reach us at uh, support at humanworkplace.com. So I got one final question in this podcast, and that is, hi, Liz, how do I talk about myself without bragging? Mm, how do I talk about myself without bragging? We'll take this from a, a resume perspective. 
how do I talk about myself in my resume without bragging? So that begs the question, what is bragging? What, what, what is bragging versus regular speech? Well, here's my take on that. Bragging is saying from the vantage point of being you that you are going to evaluate your own significance, right? Bragging is saying, I'm the best, I'm really good at, I, um, I have done these impressive things. It's you standing outside yourself and making an evaluation about yourself based on nothing except, you know, your opinion. And the problem about bragging in your resume or anywhere, job interview or anywhere, is that it diminishes you. And that's true when we're eight years old on the playground. The kids who brag, we know, are the kind of fearful kids. Because confident kids don't need to brag, right? When you're confident, you don't need to praise yourself because you're just you. And if somebody thinks that something you've done or some aspect of you is cool, then it's like, that's cool for you to have that opinion of me. Thank you for that compliment, but I'm just me. I'm just living my life. I don't need to stand outside myself and evaluate myself and say, wow, I'm really great. Think about it. Bragging is trying to convince someone to think you're okay. And when you feel okay, you don't need to convince anyone to think you're okay, because if they think you're okay, that's awesome. And if they don't think you're okay, that's awesome too. They are welcome to live a long and happy life without thinking you're awesome. It's not a requirement. So we don't want to brag in the resume. And here's what constitutes bragging. Praising adjectives. I'm savvy. I'm smart. I'm strategic. You would, how would you know if you were strategic? How would you know if you were smart? Smart in whose eyes? The more confident you are, the less need you're going to feel to praise yourself. The bigger your flame gets, the less desire you're going to have to impress somebody who would only be impressed by you praising yourself, right? You are not credible to the people reading your resume. How could you be? You're a complete stranger. So when you say I'm smart, they're like, well, I'm glad you think you're smart, but right? That's a determination for them to make. We're not trying to lead the witness. We're not trying to prejudice the jury. We're saying I don't care if you think I'm smart or not. I'm not going to tell you to think of me as smart. I'm just here. Let's have a conversation. I want to know what your pain is over there in your business and maybe see if I can help. So bragging is praising. It is praising yourself using praising adjectives. I am the best software salesperson in the, you know, tri-state area. I am an amazing this or that. I am savvy. I am seasoned. I am, don't use the adjectives. Just say, here's what I love to do. Here's what I do. Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I already did. You know, it's neutral. That's power. That's you in your power. You have no one to impress. You have no one to impress. Just keep that in your mind. I have no one to impress. Only the people who get me deserve me.